our group realized that um, you know we had to switch gears and to move from protesting against something to supporting something, namely production of electric vehicles. Welcome to Eco Alarm, the podcast where we break down the major factors affecting the environment and explore what we can do to help. I'm your host, Imani, and today I'll be talking to Zan Dubin-Scott. Zan is the founder of ZDS Communications, a PR and marketing firm that specializes in companies, nonprofits, and individuals who are making a difference. Outside of her communications work, Zan is an avid supporter of electric vehicles, also known as EVs. Today, I'm so excited to talk everything EVs, communications, and even how they both intersect. Hi, thanks, Imani. Great to be here. Uh, my name is Sam Dubin-Scott, and I uh, have a business called ZDS Communications, which is basically PR for mostly sustainability-type uh, issues, environmentalists. So what got you started with ZDS? So I was a reporter at the LA Times after getting my uh, journalism degree at, at SC. I had an internship at the LA Times and I stayed there for 15 years. And um, it's a natural transition often reporters moving into PR. For one thing, I love reporters. So I wanted to stay uh, working with them and in the field. And uh, roughly at the same time, um, I married a lifelong environmentalist, and that's how I got into the sustainability beat. I had been on calendar at times in arts and entertainment. Um, and this was around 2000, well, I married in 01. We're divorced, but very good friends. Um, but um, he and I got an EV in 2002, which was, uh, you know, obviously one of the very earliest chances to do that. Um, and right at that time that they were starting to make them, um, the, auto, the major auto companies were also crushing these cars. They were turning around, they sued the state of California and they were trying to basically wipe them off the face of the earth. And we were outraged because we knew that a car without a tailpipe could make a major contribution to what was always referred to back then as global warming. Um, so we got involved with a few people, really just a handful, about a dozen of us in Southern and Northern California, when we started to, to basically fight this and formed a nonprofit called don'tcrush.com. And we would show up on, you know, doing sidewalk protests, you name it. That's how I got into the EV world. We're, um, we're both in the film Who Killed the Electric Car, Chris Payne's film, and, and things just uh, went on from there. Yeah, so I guess what happened after that? I mean, you did National Drive Electric Week. How did that come about and how did you go about scaling that? Right. Well, um, don't what happened was the, the auto company stopped crushing the cars and our group realized that, um, you know, we had to switch gears and to move from protesting against something to supporting something, namely production of electric vehicles. And we wanted to accelerate that, make it happen faster. That's when the nonprofit switched to Plug in America. And I was um, there, I was a co-founder and um, original communications director. And then we had, we staged history's first electric car parade in 09. That was a, a fun story. We thought, you know, um, Obama was being inaugurated, and so we sent an application to the White House. We thought, let us do a parade of electric cars. 
and we got an, an, a no. So we decided to stage a parade on, on the West Coast here in Santa Monica. It was fantastic. It was like 70 EVs. There were, there were almost none that were being mass produced at the time. Actually, there were none except for maybe the Tesla. And we had a great time, but uh, we had a press conference. We got a lot of media coverage of that. But when it came time for the actual parade, not a single camera covered us. And in fact, I got a call from one of the local networks and the reporter said, I'd really like to be there, but there's a crash on the 210 and we're covering that instead. So I was um, disheartened and disgusted and you know, uh, complaining on the phone with a, a, another fellow EV activist. And, and I said something like, you know, if that parade had been part one of part of a, a national event, we would have had a lot higher chance of getting coverage. And out of his mouth came, we should do National Plug-in Day, you know, like a day to not smoke or take the bus to work, whatever. And that was that was how National Drive Electric Week started. And the we were in, I think, 29 cities originally. I think it was 2011 was our first year. And I can just say, how did we scale it? We scaled it because people loved electric cars. They were passionate about showing other people how great these cars were, how clean they were. And we have a saying in the EV world and that is butts in seats. And what that means is the best way to, to get someone to understand how great these cars are is to get their butt into the car and actually drive it. And so that was the point of National Drive Electric Week is to, um, you know, people would put on their own local event and many of them are test drives or riding drives to get those butts in seats. Um, and let's see, last year, I think, of course, we had a hiccup with COVID like everyone else. We're now in every single state and in eight different countries as well. So, and then the offshoot to that is Drive Electric Earth Day, which is a bit of a misnomer, but it's, it's basically the exact same thing throughout the month of April. So that's coming up. We can talk more about that. Yeah, of course. But before we hop into that, I'm curious about, so obviously electric vehicles are getting bigger. They have more press. That also means more controversy. So what kind of um, misconceptions or debates have you been able to address and how have those developed over time? Yeah, there's a lot of controversy. The more successful and disruptive you are, I think the more um, you know pushback you're going to get. Um, and you know what there are, nothing's perfect, right? There's no perfect technology, there's no single answer. And there are certain drawbacks still. I would say the biggest legitimate complaint right now is the lack of public charging. And, and which is why Biden has 7.5 billion in his budget for, to build it out, particularly in disadvantaged communities. But I charge publicly myself and quite a few times I'll come upon a suite of chargers and a couple of them are broken and the others are occupied and I'm up the creek, you know? So we definitely need to build that out. Um, other misconceptions that are real are um, availability of these cars. There's just not enough yet. I, you know, I sort of point the finger at the OEMs, the major auto companies, they need to scale this up. Uh, of course, the major cities have the most, but other places, are left behind. I think all of this is changing, but it's still it's still an issue. 
Another one is uh, the mining of the minerals that go into the EV batteries. Uh, now, you know, what I mostly want to say is that, again, there's no perfect technology, but um, we, can, we, we need to watch uh, for environmental and human rights, what's the right word, infringements in this, in this place. But there are watchdog groups out there. The other thing is that we can recycle batteries. And what I always like to say is that you cannot recycle gasoline. So, and there are, there's billions going into these recycling startups as well for the EV batteries. The real misconceptions though, um, meaning they, they are myths, is that the cars are unaffordable. You know, I, I hate to say it, but everyone equates electric vehicles, not everyone, but many people with Tesla. I am here to tell you, I, I'm a huge fan of Tesla by the way, but that the base model Tesla is only about $1,000 more than the average new car costs in the US today. Okay, I think people are blown away by that. Um, the Nissan Leaf, which is the, the least expensive EV on the market, goes for under 20 with the federal incentives right now, $20,000. And, and I have a friend who's, pay, who's leasing her car. I don't know which one it is, but for 40 bucks a month <laughs> with all the incentives, they're state, federal, local. So that's a real misconception that we really like to you know, try to knock down. The other one is that you know EVs can't get get you where you need to go. The range is is not far long enough. Um, in the early days, that was more of a challenge, but the median is 200 250 mile range right now, um, and we are building out the public charging infrastructure. Um, another one that I would bring up is, is people say, oh, EVs are you're just extending um, the you know the tailpipe from the car to the smokestack. Well, you know that's not true. There have been numerous studies done that EVs are cleaner than gas cars from cradle to grave. That one that I cite is Union of Concerned Scientists. So lots and lots of you know misinformation out there. Yeah, and it seems like with this and even with renewable energy, the issue is not really the cost. It's do we want to re-up our infrastructure around it? Because I agree, like it would be such a great opportunity to have these lower cost vehicles. But then, you know, if we don't have the infrastructure for the charging in the right places, then kind of negates that. So, right. yeah, you just got to really call on government to <laughs> figure it out and get people the solutions that are mutually beneficial. And I guess going off of that, how, because your communication company works with some EV businesses, how do you go about this from a business and communications perspective? Well, I would say um, National Drive Electric Week it has been a, a huge solution to that. It, it's, it's achieved what we hoped it would, uh, meaning we get a, a lot of media coverage every year now. Uh, frankly, media is not what it was even 20 years ago. As you know, there's been a huge contraction, but the fact that each little event, whether it's in a tiny town or a little local library, a, a ride and drive, um, the fact that that event is part of a national celebration uh, really helps each individual event. So as far as media goes, the principles are the same. Like I won't even take on a client if I don't think that they have a story. I, I hesitate to say unique because there's practically nothing that's unique on the planet, but if they don't have something that's truly newsworthy, 
and stands out, I have no chance of getting them coverage. So that's what we have to strive to do is, is, is look for what's unusual. You know, it's that unique selling proposition. What's unusual, what captivates, that kind of thing. You know, for any client, it doesn't matter whether it's electric vehicles or not. As far as battling back the misinformation, you know, as, as an activist, I, I do actually less of that now because you, you can just bury yourself, you know, fighting that battle all day long. And it's, it, I find that in most cases, unless, unless it's a really high profile article, say, for instance, that it's a waste of time, that I'd rather spend my time promoting National Drive Electric Week, for instance, or getting, getting the good word out there. Yeah, and kind of talking more about National Drive Electric Week, what kind of events do you have going on and maybe how can listeners get involved? Sure. Well, there are Drive Electric Earth Day starts April 1st, goes all the way through the 30th. And right now they have a minimum of 180 events coast to coast. There's 20 in California. Uh, The two that I'm going to volunteer with this year, one in Riverside and one in Carson. And uh, I happen to live on the west side. So the events I've put on myself have often been on the west side, closer to the beach, the air is cleaner. And I'm really excited this year to go to areas that frankly are a lot more polluted, Carson and Riverside, because, you know, that's where we need it the most. So in Riverside, it's it's the city's Earth Day event with an electric car ride and drive component. Um, and then in Carson, it's a very similar thing. Um, yeah. So you just go on the website, real simple, and there's a list of every single event. And by the way, a lot of them are virtual. So um, like, say, for instance, there's an event that really captures your imagination in New York, you can, and it's virtual, you can participate, uh, whether it's just helping to organize uh, remotely, or promoting it through social media. And it's very simple, you just find the event you want, go each event has its own page, you can contact the organizer from there, and have a discussion about about what you'd like to do. And a lot of them are not just about electric cars. For, for instance, the city of Riverside, they're gonna have booths of all kinds of environmental topics, whether it's food waste or solar power or recycling. So yeah, even if you know EVs are not your thing, there, there's a way to get involved. Awesome. I guess before we wrap up, do you have any advice for people either wanting to go into EVs, wanting to go into communications or PR, any one of those or both? Sure. Um, volunteering. That's my number one piece of advice. It's how I started all our early work at Plug in America, which is, you know, now when did we found it? It's about 15 years old. All of us, the founders did it for fun, for free and for passion. I think every client I have through my business I met through doing that kind of advocacy volunteer work. Um, uh, yeah, it's incredible. And you know, it's better than going to a cocktail party to network, you know, <laughs> no small talk and you really can move the needle and, and you know, you feel great about giving back. Awesome. Well, with that, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Sure, thanks for having me. Okay, that'll wrap up our episode for today. 
For more information on EcoAlarm and resources on topics covered in this episode, follow us at EcoAlarm Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thank you guys so much for listening. Tune in every other Friday and we'll see you next time. Bye.